Hello friends, how's it going? My name's Matt Bart and you're listening to episode 173 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports podcast, Unbelievably, the show where I try and uncover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoy it. My guest this week is Lindsay McLaren and what an important, honest and brilliant conversation this one is. So firstly, full disclosure, Lindsay's a colleague of mine at the company I helped to run All Conditions Media, but more importantly, she's a friend and she's somebody I've admired and respected for a while now, for reasons that I think will become clear as our conversation unfolds. And there are really two levels to this conversation. Firstly, there's the story of Neighbourhood Skate Club itself, the community skate project that Lindsay started a couple of years ago now, and through which she's aiming to create space and opportunities for women and queer people who skateboard or want to learn, as the website puts it. And then there's Lindsay's own story of how she's managed to process the traumatic experiences that have hallmarked her own progress through our industry and how she's basically reclaimed her own story and has managed to subvert some of the insidious, toxic conventions that regrettably are still rife in our industry and indeed, as we all know, across our society. Hence, Neighbourhood's overarching mission, which Lindsay describes as speaking up and standing up for ourselves and others, addressing issues such as consent, street harassment, domestic violence, sexual harassment, catcalling and male violence against women, while offering support to survivors and victims. Taken as a whole, as you might imagine, these threads combine to form one truly powerful and inspirational tale it's about how you find the strength to turn your own personal trauma into something positive that has the power to transform your own community it's about how you can manage to bypass the gatekeepers who still control the roots into the industry and find your own path it's also about the appetite and hunger that exists out there for alternative narratives around skateboarding surfing and snowboarding which is Something I've talked about a lot over the years on this podcast and something which I believe our industry really poorly serves, which I think is one reason why Neighbourhood has struck such a chord and become so popular so quickly. I'm really grateful to Lindsay for trusting me with this conversation and for talking to me so openly about her experiences. And I'm really proud of the way she's used them to create something so positive and transformative. Just a note to say that we do discuss incidents of sexual harassment, male violence, street harassment, consent, all the things I mentioned earlier in this episode. So please do be mindful of this as you listen. Um, I'll be back at the end. In the meantime, here's me and Lindsay. Welcome to The Neighbourhood. Enjoy. <laughs> um, say something. Hello, how are you doing? I'm alright, how are you? Yeah, not bad. We're recording. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it starts. Cool. I'm a bit hungover, I've got to be honest. I didn't quite realise until we um, just had um, a meeting and everyone was being really silly and <laughs> not the one we just had, the one before that. Oh, where, the, yeah. Yeah. Everyone was being like, you know, when, you know, and everyone's hung over and it gets a bit like just silly and a bit, <laughs> everyone's a bit dehydrated and a bit. I was like, I actually, I I've been not. drinking so much water. Yeah. And I didn't have any water as well, which. Uh, I've gone through the whole, um, I think on the bottles on the table, three of them have been consumed by me. Yeah. So. I normally do dry January, but this year I decided not to because I was 
quite you know like everything in moderation including moderation exactly yeah. well, i'm not a big drinker anyway so the fact i even drank wine last night right was saying something yeah <laughs> Yeah. I think I was in a good spirit and then it's cold. I think cold weather makes me, and when you've been inside yeah. and you go outside, I, I was just feeling like, yeah. Yeah. I had, a real, I had a real sort of moment. Like it was quite nice. Like watching that sunset outside the yeah, pub. It's it really freezing. nice. freezing. I've never been at, so we're in Richmond Hill. Um, and I'm beginning to understand why all the rich people live here because it's really nice, isn't it? Well, I raised the question yesterday that if I had always lived, well, I've always lived in East London, yeah. since living in London, and I wondered if I would ever have left if I had been living in West London, because yeah. for context, I've just moved. Yeah, it's re- it's really beautiful. And we were going to do it outside, but it's a bit too cold. Got this, uh, people that live in West London are like, all right, mate, it's Richmond. But um, I just, I've never been here before. It's just really nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And the so weather's you, been on our side. Yeah, it's been good. But you're back up, so you just moved, so you you're staying in Scotland with your mum, but you're going to move to Leeds, right? I'm moving to Leeds at the start of February, but at the moment I'm in between living in London and I'm now up in Scotland for a few weeks before we move to Leeds, staying with my parents and giving the dog a run around in yeah. Aberdeenshire. Yeah, it looks like a lot of early morning dog walks going on. Well, the sun doesn't rise in... Oh, actually, yeah, you're really yeah, north, aren't you? Yeah. The sun doesn't rise in Aberdeen until like 8.45, so I try and leave my house around 7.30, ah, right, take her for sense. a good run around where it's just bright enough to see where you're going. And um, yeah, as I'm walking back up the hill uh, to go home, you can turn around and you've just got this really glorious like cotton candy sky. Um, and I, I think five days in a row I had that sunshine, so. Yeah. Is that someone coming in? Oh yeah. It's Hayley. <laughs> I think we're going to get quite a lot. Of it. Oh, it's Hayley, was it? Yeah, I ah, think she's right. fine. Um, yeah, so when was the last time you lived at home? I've not lived at home um, since I would have been about... So, 27, because I came back from living in the US for where I'd been for the past, like, seven years. And then when I moved back to the UK... I stayed with my parents in Scotland for about two months before I figured out where I was going and what I was doing. Right. But at that point, I'd been away from living, A, with my parents and B, in Scotland for a, you know, a significant time. And I'd been living in cities like Miami and New York. Um, so to then go to the middle of nowhere in Aberdeenshire was a real shock to the system. Yeah. <laughs> so, But actually now, I feel like, it's just so nice. And then having been in London, obviously now for the past five or six years, um, and now being a dog, a proud dog mom, hmm. being able to live and experience the countryside in that capacity has just been really, really lovely in the sense of calm and peace. And um, nature has just been really refreshing. So um, it's a really welcome treat to have this time not only to spend in Scotland, but to to spend with my parents because, you know, it's nice to spend time with the people you love. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think you just, you, you definitely see your home with fresh eyes as you get older, don't you? A hundred percent. I mean, like, I don't know if you, I, mean, I just could not wait to leave home, like when I was a kid, like, like you know, like all kids, just could not wait to get out of my hometown. And Absolutely can relate to that. But it's really nice, isn't it, when you go back and you kind of, all those things that that 
gave you the impetus to leave obviously gone you know you've grown up a bit you see it with fresh yeah. eyes you know you've got like you say you've got a dog like you, you're in a different <laughs> place in your life it's it's nice isn't it it's nice to go back yeah and we're really fortunate with where I am in Scotland is it's right on the North Sea but not too far from the mountains either so you've got like the coastline on one side and then the Cairngorm Mountains on the other side so you're like what a fortunate I didn't realize growing up how fortunate I was to yeah. have that I was just more concerned about how long it took me to go and see my friends in town and how it was such a mission rather than being like oh wow I can wake up and be on the beach within two minutes and be like soaking up all of like this like beauty for want of another word it's just beautiful yeah it looks but it. yeah as a teenager I was just like for god's sake why do we live here <laughs> <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Which was a big part of the reason I think that I was like searching for something bigger and like dreamt of living in America. So when that happened, it really felt like it felt like a dream. And even whilst I was living there, I had to like check in with myself that um, I was really there because as silly as that sounds, like I moved there when I was uh, 19. And that was my first time ever living away from home and I was living in Miami and um, it felt like, a, it felt like a, a, something from a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a contrast. Like oh, yeah. What, what, <laughs> and presumably that was conscious. You were yeah. looking for like the shiniest, biggest sort of alternative. I was obsessed with the idea of living in a place that seemed like the complete opposite from what I knew in Scotland, which was a really small village, really, really cold. Um, you know, I felt a little bit like, I felt different in the little village I grew up in. Like I always felt like I didn't belong or didn't like the friends that I had were in the bigger cities. So in that little village, I felt really confined. I felt like I stuck out whether I did or not is a different story because like of course our egos as teenagers you know we think everyone's looking at us or whatever yeah. um the opportunity to move to Miami for me was like you know a first of all a very privileged position to be in but I, I went there because I had a scholarship to go to university there um which came about through another opportunity that I was I was working through through contacts and actually through the Camp America program was the whole reason I went out and originally went to America is because right. I spent a summer there doing Camp America met a bunch of people and um a, a, an opportunity came up to apply for this school and I ended up being offered a scholarship to attend and that was how I ended up going out there so easily because it's not easy to just pack up your bags and move to the USA yeah right <laughs> yeah it's a big, it's a big um, thing but yeah um I think I when I think about it now and look back, because it was, it was, you know, a significant amount of time, I think I definitely remember like all the highs of that. And of course there were plenty, Yeah. but it was so, it was, re I was really homesick for the first year because it was such a contrast. So like, hello, there was like this version of me being like, you know, yeah, big talk, like, yeah, I'm it. moving to Miami. Like, yeah. this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be doing this, this and that. Like, you know, look at me on the flip side. Then I got there and it was like, you know, I was definitely like a very, very small fish in an exceptionally big yeah. pond. Yeah, right. and, um, and obviously like a city that's so culturally diverse and, um, you know, I, it, so m the, the main language that people speak in Miami is Spanish as well. And I, I didn't speak a word of Spanish. Yeah. So the roles really turns and it was really like an amazing opportunity um, to 
it really opened my eyes to um, the world. If you can imagine living in this tiny village in the northeast of Scotland and yeah. then living in like this massive big city. Um, yeah, an incredible opportunity that feels now so far on that, um, you know, did it really happen? <laughs> well, you, it sounds like you s made a really important friendship group there as well though, right? By the, yeah. Not that I know a huge amount about your, your past, but just from following you on social and stuff and is that right that you've still kind of stayed in touch with a lot of the people that you met the, the friends you made then and that they seem like quite a formative group in your life I felt like I really didn't know and it might sound cheesy to say but I felt like I didn't really know who I was I felt quite troubled growing up bullied in school etc you know we've all had a, a tough upbringing in various different ways yeah. but I didn't really love school um and like I said I didn't feel like I fit like I, I was part of it um and then when I moved to Miami and then New York, in both cities, there was this real sense of community um, that I was fortunate enough to fall into through friendships and meeting people and like finding shared passions, etc. Yeah. But it, essentially it was like figuring out who I was and they were really formative years. And um, I think I hold that so close, those experiences I hold really close because the people that I went through all of that with, you know, that really meant something to me and it felt like when people speak of like you know true childhood friendships I'm not sure I had any of those that you know I was holding on to but the friends that I made in those places I think that's how I view I'm like wow those are like lifelong friends like we went through so much together and yeah. I went on th through such a journey because I didn't have family out there so the people I was hanging out with the friends I was with and sharing experiences with like those became my like people on the ground. Yeah. That was, you know, they became my world, despite having like, you know, my family still in Scotland who I remained close with for the, the time that I was out there. But yeah. the, the people um, that I met there, um, you know, and social media plays a part in that in helping to connect people, but definitely feel like it's important to make an effort to hold on to those relationships that mean something. Yeah, we well, got to work at friendships, haven't you? Ultimately, they're, yeah. they're, they are work. I truly believe that. <laughs> I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a negative way. I just mean that if you don't, if you don't look after them, they, they do wither a bit. And especially like those childhood ones, like they're, they're important. But a question I've, I've got for you, I'm just going to move that lead actually because it's just banging on the table a little bit. Um, a question I've got for you is, so you mentioned that you were um, had like a, you know, slightly troubled time at school and, and didn't really fit in in your hometown. And yeah, you know, obviously I can relate to that certainly. Um, and I also went through a period where I got bullied at school for like a year not like anything like major, you know, looking back, but it, it massively affected me. And I remember quite clearly sort of thinking, I've, I've got to sort this out, actually. Like, if I don't sort this out, like, um, this isn't really going to stop, you know. So, and it, I think it was like at that age where like kids are just working out who they are. I think I was about 13 at the time. And, you know, you, you start people get you still get splintered off into little factions and all that stuff and I I actually kind of sort of chose my best mate really because I actually looked around we've we sort of spoken about this as well me and him and I was a bit like okay I'm gonna go and hang out with that guy because because he's quite like me <laughs> and so I just wondered if like the decision to move to to America was like you being like quite decisive do, do, you know what I'm getting at was it like a decisive yeah. thing where you were like actually if I'm gonna you know be who I want to be and be happier I need to sort of 
take positive steps yeah definitely I think I just saw this like world out there that I was like I cannot stay in Inverbervie that's my little village I'm from in the northeast of Scotland and I was like I can't you know I I have to go out and and explore and see that world and my parents really championed that desire to explore and they they weren't afraid of like the idea of me not doing like a regular nine to five, they really supported me in that decision. And like, um, both my parents came from a background where, you know, they really, really worked hard all their lives and came from quite difficult upbringings themselves. And I think they felt like they were in a position to be able to support me through that. So again, like acknowledging that such privilege, but also like my my mom and dad really wanted me to go out and see the world and, um, really kind of encouraged me to do so mom said no don't stay here off you go let's do it yeah well but what about this what about that well we'll figure it out and I think that's really helped me like as something that I've held on to throughout my life it's like okay well we'll figure it out let's you know we can we can work through any issue or any problem to a certain extent it's like communication talking about it and having like a strong support system and like figuring it out as you go along when things come up and um yeah being kind of taught that from a young age and taught like not to worry about that stuff and to try and like swallow these opportunities when they come up and and live your life (laughs) you know my mum really and my dad's both kind of helped me see that I I guess another question I've got as well on this topic is from as we've got to know each other more over the months like I've kind of what I find interesting about what you do is like, especially with like neighborhood and, and you know, the kind of extracurricular things that you do and is that you, it doesn't seem like it comes that naturally, you, you know, you're not like a massive extrovert if you don't mind. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, it, like you, yeah. there's, there's like, I you, struggle you, ha- sometimes. you have to put yourself, it seems like you, you, there's a bit of an inner battle going on, like to, to reconcile your, sometimes you're quite far outside your comfort zone when you do these things but you do them anyway you know like you know I'm getting out we've talked about this like and and that's an admirable thing because it's that's what stops a lot of people from doing things isn't it you know like this the the kind of like oh well you know that's not for me or I can't (laughs) do that or whatever it is you know there's an inner voice in your head which is telling you that like you shouldn't be doing it you know and I think that from what I know about you like I think you also have that but you have definitely I don't well I guess that's the question yeah have you learned to do that have you have you I think it's learned behavior I think it's pushing myself to and trusting myself to sometimes step outside my comfort zone to see what things will be like to see what life will be like and then realizing like oh god that feels that feels like different but then being like okay that wasn't so bad and actually I've taken away so much from that and like my my partner Joe has really helped me like with that self-belief and and you know other people saying like you know yeah of course you can do that and me going what really oh I don't know about that yeah and like I, I genuinely think it's taken me I've been in this industry now coming up 12 years you know it took me till I've been in this world for at least 10 years before I started to think like yeah you can do more you got this and like um taking that those little steps to doing something else uh for myself honestly and I think that's the reason is when you realize that you are you're doing it for yourself 
and for a bigger cause but yeah. but ultimately because you feel like you're in a place to do so and that was that was really something that I think the lockdown helped me with because we were forced to spend so much time with ourselves yeah, yeah. Um, I started therapy and it really helped me um, process a lot of stuff that I've been through because I've had all of these amazing experiences and um, unfortunately like along the way those incredibly positive amazing experiences have been tainted by unfortunate circumstances or unfortunate people um, and I kept that a lot of those experiences to myself for a very long time and then I realized in the lockdown like whoa this is a lot this is really heavy I'm actually really struggling to yeah. deal with like essentially thoughts and memories and experiences that were haunting me a little bit and got to a point where I had to process that and therapy really really helped me get to a place where I understood what had happened to me what was happening to me um what I wanted in my life my professional life and my personal life and then being able to kind of be like okay well like how am I gonna take all of these emotions and experiences and like put that into something and that could have been just how you know like daily life practices it could have been as simple as going just for committing to going for a walk in the morning or yeah. you know like just coming up with how to feel good and in turn like then do good whether that's for yourself or for society or for the environment or for the world um and yeah it helped me just have clarity and um that has helped really really shape the past couple of years of my life to just stop worrying as much stop being so anxious um sit back a little bit and enjoy I use social media differently. I'm not trying to like, you know, um, share everything on social media. I feel like I use it now in a way that like helps me like spread a message or like yeah. when I've got something to say, I use it for that for that way. But at the same time, you know, like you said, we're in Richmond today and the, the view's really nice. I might take a picture and post it and I'm not gonna feel either way about that. Yeah, yeah. There was an old version of me who would be like, oh God well, I've posted a particular picture, like I was overthinking everything, yeah. you know, whether it was something on social media or coming out of like a work meeting or like an instance on the bus, Yeah, it would sit with me. And I had to really like, you know, think long and hard about why that was happening to me and like uncovering some like difficult truths about my past or like experiences that I had that helped me be like, okay, this is why you're feeling a certain way and like what are you going to do to help move past that so you and you've been able to that that's by the sounds of it where you've gained strength from like to to, yes. to kind of find a way of reconciling yeah these experiences which let's be frank are traumatic experiences that you're describing exactly um, and, and that's given you the you know that's that that it sounds like that's where you found like drive strength definitely and like focusing on the things that make me feel good so like skating skateboarding is something that brings me so much joy and makes me feel really good and uh, forces me to get out and like you know move and challenge myself in different ways and like um like putting my energy back into skating which I'd like kind of lost a love for in the like the years couple years prior to that you know it was just part of who I was from years gone by but like finding that you know sense of self again within skateboarding and skate culture really helped me kind of like with that sense of confidence and drive and like you know something to be said about like sports in general but like action sports in particular that like 
you feel you feel good about yourself when you're pushing yourself to to you know whether it's landing a trick or just even like getting out and doing it it's, it's like exercise it, it releases good yeah, endorphins yeah. right and like um skating has always given me really truly like my I feel like my best version of me when I'm skating or when I get back from skating like I just love it and um yeah channeling channeling my energy and giving myself time to work skateboarding into my life and my schedule definitely helped me on that journey and like um god like having done that then like I've been able to create like a, a whole thing around skating that I never thought I'd be able to do within skateboarding even though it was my passion I would never have thought that that world was for me in the way that I'm now you know claiming but it but that's the power of it though isn't it and that's why it's so I think that's why it's such a success and I think that's why people really love it because it because the power of it is you've you've kind of, you've read what, what what's going on with it from my perspective is like you've kind of reclaimed an idea of skateboarding essentially <laughs> I mean it could well, it could be anything though couldn't it really but like basically there are paths aren't there and they're, and, they're, and they're quite gender driven let's be honest you know particularly in this industry and the way that you can be a skateboarder is quite a well, and again, I don't want to particularly pick on skateboarding. I think you could use snowboarding, you could use surfing, you could use any of these activities that we're all passionate about. But there are preordained paths, really. And women in particular are expected to almost like follow a particular path. And with neighborhood, you've kind of said, actually, no, I'm going to do it this way. And, and I'm going to do it this way in a way that makes me feel good. And then what that's revealed is that there's an absolutely enormous appetite amongst <laughs> women. It's mad, isn't who, it? Who are like, thank fuck that there's another way, you know. I mean, we had, I had a conversation with um, one of our colleagues, Charlie, yesterday. And she was a bit like, God, I wish that was in Brighton. Because if, because if it was, like, I'd go and do it. But, but currently what I'm faced with is the prospect. Like, where do I even start? How, yeah. do, I, how do I navigate this world? And I think... I think that's the power of it because especially when you explain your how your own experiences have led you to that point you know that's it that's why it's that's why it's working and that's why it's great isn't it I I hope so and I, I I definitely relate to that and I think channeling my own experiences and like this is what's really helped me be okay with talking about stuff small and big instances that have you know occurred has um helped me be like oh damn I've spoken up about that and actually that that feels really good and and oh my god the response from other women particularly who are you know whether that's on social media or in real life at events at lessons whatever that may be is people are saying yes 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 I can relate to that and I've yeah, never it is, it is for me as well and I've never really I've never had that in my career yeah and I never had that in my skateboarding life um for a long time and uh to have that now is something that like selfishly I'm taking away so much from this <laughs> but, at this day, but well I just I, I think I is something that like has been overwhelming for me because I again like I never saw myself in that role 
and have fallen into it really organically and like obviously because I I work in marketing and with brands and in this world it's really helped me drive like the direction of everything coming from like an experienced place and um an educated place in that world I can be like okay this is turning into something yeah let me do more and I'm excited by that and so it's you know it's turning organically into something um that was a was is bigger than I originally like concepted in my head um but it's the feel-good factor that I'm taking away from it and that I'm sharing with so many other women and it's that shared space and that shared emotion and that collective feeling of like it's like the you know gasp of like okay yeah like we're doing it and we're doing it together and like um and these are a lot of women who like don't come from this world and that's the point right like skateboarding is and should be for everyone who wants it but yet there are barriers in our sport and like you said not just within skateboarding that I've personally experienced and you know actually I don't experience to the same degree anymore but then that's because I've been doing it for so long but then what about the the women and the and and other and, and marginalized groups and gender and genders who who want it but don't feel like it's for them you know how can we change that and shift that dialogue and show that we are welcoming and we do want you but you know there are barriers that exist and you can't no one can deny that they're there and I think it's really like being open to this feedback and realizing that like sure just because you may not have experienced this you know that doesn't mean that this isn't happening and frankly speaking on you know my own experiences a lot of the 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 barriers I've experienced or the um situations that have happened to me that have made me feel like I didn't belong or like imposter syndrome or you know like flat out harassment um it doesn't happen in front of witnesses it doesn't happen in front of other men it happens to groups of women and it happens to solo women happens to two women three women whatever mostly solo so you know to a certain extent I get why people might be like oh it's not like that for for us though like as in like oh it doesn't that doesn't happen at our skate park or whatever it doesn't happen whilst you're there just because you don't witness it doesn't mean if somebody is saying this happened to me or like damn I went and I did this but then you know I felt I felt the eyes on me or I felt you know vulnerable because of this then like you want to listen to them and and trust and believe like we need to believe women when women speak up we need to we need to listen we need to not assume because society over the years has taught us you know that women are asking for it or whatever else and um you know if somebody is somebody is saying something and talking of their lived experience then who are you to comment and say like oh I don't believe you why <laughs> well your stories are really great example of how the onus is on the victim of of experiences like this to to unpick the problem themselves like i think i think that's one of the things that i always find quite sobering when when as you know as a straight white bloke who basically it's just it's just not on my radar you know like because i don't experience it you know like for me if we use the analogy of like me finding my place in in this world as we just talked about how you found your place they're two pretty different experiences and my experience has been there are no barriers you know like if I want to do something I can generally do it you know I don't really I don't have the 
barriers in front of me that you've had whether it's like you know some of the experiences you've just described it's just not so it's not on my radar really you know so it's so and and i think it's a massive generalization and i'm sure (laughs) a few people listening might take exception to it but i think generally it's not really on straight white men's radars this stuff and well i think showing up at the skate park is one thing i think where my experiences um you know have been amplified is because i've also worked in this industry i've always worked with brands whether it's been skate brands snowboarding brands outdoors brands i've always worked in this like heavily male dominated world so my experiences you know it's not they're not just singular it's not like one thing happened at the skate park and then I was like feeling shit about it it's It's like you know maybe one thing happened at the skate park but that was like a a long day at work of experiencing god knows what else so it's like it all adds up and that 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 weighs on on people and and it weighs on us as women as feeling like collectively like we don't have the same space and opportunities and like we're having to fight for that space and equality sometimes that you know maybe by other groups uh, is is taken for granted in a way. And so that's my point is like, if someone's saying like, these are my experiences, then like my experience is that when I have le- finally been speaking up about some of the stories and things that have happened to me, um, you know, like I, I, it's troubling to know that some people would, would question that or say, well, I, you know, I. I, I have a problem with you saying that. So, so sorry, you have, that says more about your ego than yeah. it does about what I've been through. And instead of, you know, it's taken a long time for me to accept certain things um, and to be real with myself and be like, no, like for actually, God, yeah, like for a long time you thought you felt deserving of that or you were just like, oh, that's just how it is. You accepted it because it's normalized beyond belief. Um, and like it's really helped the movements that have happened over the past few years in particular for me the standout one is me too and I thought oh hold on a minute yeah Jesus Christ that's what that was yeah oh well that's well then yeah hell yeah me too yeah okay and that's where like this idea of like not being alone in terms of like speaking up about things or being like identifying problems within companies or within cultures and saying hey why don't we try to do it differently or like don't 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 do it this way because this doesn't make people women other marginalized groups that doesn't make us feel good that actually is very limiting yeah not to mention it's rooted in you know misogyny or or whatever else so like let's change things and why are people not more open to that feedback you know, instead of just putting up continued and further barriers, which only make those problems worse, instead of just being like, okay, well, actually, let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation. And also, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Where are the, where's the empathy? Yeah. Instead, it's on the defense because people, and I get it, right? We're all passionate about our sports and our cultures. So it's like, well, they want, you want to protect that. Well, it's like we were talking about earlier, though. You know, the other really depressing thing to listen to you talk and from the conversations that we've had is like again you know as a, as a man like you know you, my route through the industry again it's just such a different story you know like if i and for you like you've had you, it's been a fight basically you know, like to get in a position of equity hasn't it mm-hmm. really you know where you can actually wasn't not, aware of it at the time but for, yes <laughs> not for one moment in my career i've been lucky enough to do this for a long time now not for one moment was i unable to be myself like not for one moment like you know from day one I've just been able to be myself and that's been fine it's been accepted 
and but what you're describing is like you've had to basically it's taken you 12 years to get to the point where you could process the things that have happened to you and have the confidence and the strength to actually just stick your hand up and say that actually wasn't right and also this is who I am and I'm going to say this and even then you face archetypes mm -hmm. because it's like oh you know gobby woman like sticking a hand up do you know what I mean <laughs> like it's even then yep. even then there are these yeah that the, the, there are there are social tools to mar to further marginalize somebody who actually dares to even stick the hand up and say this you know even when over dinner you were sort of last night explaining like you know how you, you'll compare notes with friends about experiences that you've had like really horrible experiences that you've had but still don't really feel confident enough to talk about it because the onus will be on you to sort of prove it and yeah and that's people want really <laughs> really horrifying you know to hear that and really and again it's just not really on you know I'll be frank that's just never been on my radar you know like when when you told me some of the experiences that have happened to you you probably saw my reaction I was horrified <laughs> you know I was like are you fucking kidding me you know yeah. like but it's just a thing you know it's just a thing that happens isn't it and it's just we'll fucking deal with it that's what you're supposed to do you yeah know? I mean like my experiences are have ranged from like misogynistic comments in the workplace to like full-on severe sexual harassment ongoing from various individuals and like the horrifying part of that is that yes a couple of those you know predators if you will because let's face it that's what they are yeah. are still actively working and so like that's problematic in a way and like feeling very conflicted about that and like knowing my lived experiences but for me that's what I'm trying I'm trying to channel that into something positive because for me I don't feel like calling people out specifically po posting something up on instagram that you know gives names or proves shows the text messages i've received or you know at one point i was writing everything that was being said to me down in the notes section of my phone and it was my way of processing and and believing myself that these things were happening and you know because i was being gaslighted beyond belief and i was super young at this time and like very early in my career so um you know i i didn't want to tell anybody about it because on the flip side of that I was my my experiences where I had spoken up about it what I was being told in return was like well hey sorry but look at the brands you're working with like you're ve actually very lucky so and and also you know they see you as one of the guys so like lighten up that's a good thing you know and like I think back on that and the the you know, I was in my early 20s and I accepted that. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm working with these brands. And like, you're right, they're sick. How lucky am I? Yeah. Sure, I'll learn to, let me just try and laugh it off. Or like, you know, let, maybe I'll say something the next time it happens. But when that's physical too, and someone's, you know, touching you, um, you freeze and you don't know how to respond in that moment that, um, you know, you can talk yourself up that morning when you're getting ready, like, you know, this is what I'll do. And then in the moment that somebody says something to you that's really vulgar or asks you to do something or jokes at you, um, you know, that has, that, that set something off in, within me at least speaking personally where like I would just freeze and often would just go to the toilet and like have a bit of a cry. And then I'd write it in my note section in my phone because <laughs> that was how I processed it at the time. And like, yeah, I think that Times have changed, this was pre-Me Too, and I didn't know that this was as severe a problem as it was, is, sorry. 
Um, and when that movement happened, not long after, it, it something happened within me where I was like, oh my God, yes. And I started speaking more, you know, like to more women that I was friends with in the industry because there's not always been that many of us and we would know each other. So, you know, that's where there's been this really strong connection and like camaraderie between like some of the girls and, and women in this industry because like we've had to fight this fight together in a way, but we've all been in such similar experiences or sorry we've been in such similar situations with similar experiences sometimes with the same people at the core of the problem and you know the in they're running the industry in some ways they're running big brands or they're certainly they have like a key voice or you know had and so um feeling very silenced and then for your own sake just cracking on with things because you're like you know what I've got a job to do. I'm here to do this. And actually at the root of it, I do really love my job. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I've also been fortunate that I've had mentors along the way that have helped me, you know, realize my value and champion me into being like not using, not seeing that as my identity and knowing that I was worth more than that. But like, God, it's been difficult. And like, I, like I said, wasn't comfortable saying that out loud for a long time because I just wanted to, you know, just be part of this culture and industry that I really, really love. And so like, I guess that was just part of, part of it. And yeah. now I'm in a place where I'm like, no, it shouldn't be part of it. And I don't want that for future generations. And I want women to, you know, and, and queer people to be, and feel welcomed in this industry, not just as you know a participant in these sports, but within the the industry, working at brands, working at organizations. Like that's how we can see change, and that's where you know we want to push things towards. It's like increasing participation, yes, but increasing accessibility within this industry at a career level throughout the the ladder, and that's what I'm really passionate about as well as you know actually in terms of neighborhood like physically getting people on boards and showing women like hey you can do this too i promise you yeah let's just break it down let's go through it and they they have that that moment of like hell yeah here i am doing this thing that i never thought i'd be able to do and it can it, it can be applied to this industry and our you know uh opportunities as people who do work in this world to be like how do we make it more accessible to everyone um because if it's going to be continued to be so male dominated then how are we how are we shifting things forward well i think that's like i say that's i keep using the word power because because <laughs> i think it's the right word though because i do think that's the power of of what you what you do in neighborhood because the simple act of like sticking your hand up like I say, reclaiming the activity on your own terms, but also connecting it to your own story and being willing to talk about that story, which is still really rare, isn't it? You know, like it's still something that women in our industry do not feel comfortable about. They no, don't, it's scary. They, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and again, you know, when we've talked about this, again, I've been like, that's taken me a while to get my head around because I'm so used to being able to like just openly express, like I say, like if I've got a problem, you know, I mean, you know me I'll, I'll speak my mind yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean like so uh, but that's why it's that's why it's got strength because that pe and that's why people respond to it so so positively because it's it's your story but it's also a wider story isn't it you know it's like it's and I think that's what people are kind of really 
sort of instinctively seeing with it that it's like yeah okay it is actually it doesn't have to be the the status quo you can do this thing in a different way really that's the real thing and when I when I started doing the one-to-one lessons I wanted to do it differently I wanted to try and create something that work that I that I knew could work for women who you know just wanted to cruise around or who just wanted to have that experience of like feeling it within themselves and so often when I had witnessed skate lessons um especially when it was like a male woman scenario so frequently I would see the guys holding the women's hands and pulling them along and that power still sat with that male teacher and for so many people I'm fully aware that that has worked wonders and that's really helped kickstart their relationship with skateboarding and that is truly wonderful and I'm not taking away from that but my observation in seeing that was like cool I wonder what it would be like if we gave the woman the power and taught it in a different way that focused more on weight shifts and and you know talk like we hold our weight differently as women obviously so like how can I really break that down and like think of like like your my yoga practices and like what can I do to try and find a different way of communicating and what language can I can I use in addition to talking about and creating, so talking about my experiences and creating this really safe space that um, allows the woman to instantly from the get-go, from the very first lesson, feel the shift and the control within herself. And you're right there in case she does need your hand, but she's feeling that herself and the empowerment and the strength. And even if they only get like to the point of like balancing, but by the way, everyone I've taught, and that will be over a hundred women at this point since May last year. Um, they're all cruising around in the first lesson. Some of them are doing kick turns. Some of them are doing really deep carves and like building up speed. You know, not always. Sometimes it's just a case of like getting them on and off the board and breaking it down. But you know, when when that person rolled up and they said like because there's always this disclaimer and it's kind of funny a joke about it it's like so many women turn up and they're like by the way I've got no idea why I'm here because I've got terrible balance but you know I saw my friend do it so I thought hey I'll give it a go because if she can do it then I can do it and that speaks volumes right but they always come with this disclaimer of I don't I don't have any balance yeah I said well let's let's talk about that and let's try and like channel what balance you do have and we realized that actually they've got great balance they just believed that they didn't have any balance because of prior experiences or like times where they may have like stood on a board in the past and gone flying when you break it down and you go really slow and you take the pressure away and I don't teach within skate parks for that reason a because it already exists so if you want to learn within a skate park I recommend you know whatever teachers I recommend yeah and say hey if that's not for you and you want to learn outside of that environment because I recognize that that can be intimidating for a lot of people and you're not there yet then hey come to me and I'll teach you the very basics like outside of a skate park just in a regular park all we need is flat ground to really make it happen um and suddenly they're they're not turning up already experiencing this imposter syndrome that I speak so much about yeah and that's not always the fault of the other people in the skate park by the way just to put that out there it's just how what can be going on inside that person's head it's just understanding that the way that these environments have been perceived and portrayed is you know they can be intimidating and just because you don't experience that doesn't mean other people 
feel the same way. So for me, I, I said, okay, well, I'm going to commit to doing my lessons outside of that because lessons within the skate park exist by so many other amazing teachers. So let me try and do something for a different, for someone who wants something different and who's actually not that interested in learning tricks right away or learning to drop in right away. Instead, let's just get them feeling good because anyone who skates can surely relate to this idea of when you're pushing around, you know, on a nice day in the park and you're just cruising, like it feels good. And for me, that's where I was like learning to cope with a lot of the troubles that I was going through was when I was just pushing around the park. And I thought, well, if this has been therapeutic for me, then like I can share that with other women. So coming out of lockdown and getting back into skating and being in the park loads, I was fortunate that I lived right on Victoria Park in East London. So it was right on my doorstep go out cruise around and coming out of lockdown I'm like whoa there's so many more women skating than I'd ever seen in that park before so many of them looked like they were quite new to it beginners but they were all solo so that was kind of like the impetus for starting neighborhoods was that trying to find a way to collectively like bring these women together but also offer a safe space because I could see they were struggling too I didn't want to just you know like go up and like start offering tips but when you can go up and say like hey this is what I'm doing, there's a community, there's other women who are also learning, like we do one-to-one -one lessons. Check it out, no pressure. That's how it began. And what what's really interesting about that as well is like, you removed it from the, the, the again, the status quo. You know, you, you weren't like, okay, well, you, it's so fascinating to hear you kind of from the ground up thought actually what are the things that I've found uncomfortable about this and how can we just completely change that conversation and just make it like something completely different you know and <laughs> and its own thing because I've, I've kind of talked about this before on here but like I think about so I've got a load of friends of mine in Brighton who um like middle-aged women like in the late 30s and 40s who started surfing you know like and they and they love it um, and it's it's quite interesting now because they're starting to come up against surf culture you know like they didn't they didn't you know obviously when they're just on foamies like in the yeah, white water different. like they don't they're not they don't know anything they don't care you know it's just like this is a right laugh you know I'm gonna get a foamy I'm gonna paddle out they feel good for doing it and that's that you know but now they're getting a bit better and they're starting to like um and they're, and, they're, and they're coming up against surf culture they're coming up against like you can't do that that's not how you do it you know yeah. like and you know like you not localism per se but you know just like they're at the point now where like there isn't a neighborhood for, for them mm -hmm. in brighton for surfing so they, they've got to try and negotiate this let's be honest yeah. very male world very macho very darwinian where it's like this is the way you do it and if you don't like it fuck off yeah you know like and it's and that's really off-putting for people but it's re a really interesting point that you make because when I started neighborhood and I started doing the lessons and I started doing the events like I was working for very core skate brands representing them across the UK and Europe so the idea of like what skate culture is and how to be authentic was also at the top of my head and was like you know something I was really aware of um and so I took that into consideration as well without conforming in that way. But like, I tried to do it, I tried to think about that throughout the, from the early stages and throughout the activities and the events and the lessons so that we could make that a point of discussion and talk about that, but in again, an accessible way. So just kind of promoting the idea that like, 
this is like your experiences are are real and true and you're there, there's a reason why you think that skateboarding if you don't start when you're a 12 year old boy then you know then you're too late like yeah. that that's not true but there's a reason why we think that or there's a reason why we think that you know it's embarrassing to try and learn when you're a woman in your 20s 30s 40s because we don't see that yeah so it was like acknowledging that these feelings that people were having were real and talking about it and making that part of the lesson too um and at the same time discussing skate culture you know like not shying away from um where the skate spots were in the park yeah so it, so contextualizing <laughs> it and, and yeah and i did the lesson super yeah. close to we call it the corner it's a spot in victoria park that i've personally been skating at with a bunch of guys <laughs> for a long time yeah and i've got some amazing friends there and um they're all super supportive really nice really 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 nice crew right one thing i noticed when i was skating there because it's also the entrance to the park is that I would notice girls walking through, holding their boards or like cruising through, and I could feel their discomfort because yeah. they were walking past what was seen as a skate spot or they yeah. were walking past like a male dominated zone. And I saw that and I saw them like gl glimpse at me and like, you know, not, it was just like this weird feeling. And like, this again with seeing like the solo women skaters in the park, but like they weren't acknowledging each other. And that bothered me. I was like, yo, like <laughs> yeah. smile at each other at least. And it's because they feel so intimidated. But being like so actively involved in skating so frequently at that particular spot, which was right at the entrance, like I said, it allowed me the opportunity to like really clearly see this like range of emotions that women were going through and the like overwhelming sense of imposter syndrome that I just knew I could feel it as they walked past. And that's when I just would go up to them. And that was hard for me to overcome to start with because I felt like a bit of a dickhead for one of a better word. Yeah, right. I was just a bit like, oh, hi. And I had to like practice my, the more I did it, the more comfortable I became doing it. But I just go up to them and be like, hey, what's up? Like, do you want to skate here? Or like, you know, and like, and learning that it was okay to do that. And like, you know, you can vibe people out, right? Like, obviously if someone was like on a mission and they seemed perfectly comfortable, I'm not like going, going to go and intrude in their space. But like yeah. when you can sense and feel and read the room essentially, be like okay let me just you know like be a nice person right that, that's exactly why i say hello to absolutely everyone at my local surf spot because it it's just a simple thing and there's a guy that goes I really, a long way there's a guy i really admire down our way that everyone knows called paul um who's who is basically like where we surf in brighton he's like the one man vibe merchant do you know what i mean like <laughs> if he's in the water it's fun like because he says hello to everybody he just breaks that social contracts because yeah. what we're kind of talking about here isn't it you know like these social contracts that exist and that if you're trying to find your place you know as we talked about when we were kids or like even now as adults like with these it's, it's a bit like well, if you don't conform to that social contract whether it's like you've just described or whether it's like the way that you approach a surf spot for example like it's it's tense like yeah. it's and it takes it takes like and the simple act of this lad in brighton just saying hello to everybody like completely changes that it just removes Shifts it the mood. and it's that that stuff it i've spoken to guy like a few of my like male friends about it you know who do skate like at that particular spot for example and they've you know spoken really openly and honestly with me about what i'm doing and they're super supportive and it's really nice um and they say well i don't you know i feel weird like i don't want to be seen as like mansplaining and like i get that too but again it's like there's something very different about being welcoming and nice and kind 
than mansplaining yeah. right if that's what you want to call it like you know I think you can you can engage with people and you can talk to people as a human you know it's when you start forcing your ideas or telling people to do things differently it's like the manner again it's about reading the room reading the space and being like a nice person to other people and understanding that everyone is having a different experience and just because it's a really beautiful sunny day and because everyone's in a good mood doesn't mean that someone might show up and be actually experiencing like all sorts of feels so it's like it's kind of accepting that and like just um just trying to you know sometimes go out of your way where it feels comfortable yeah to just bear in mind that even while it might feel completely comfortable for you that's not everyone's experience so if you can do something like your mate paul which is just simply like saying hello i can vouch for like when i roll up to the spot even though I've got the confidence now to do so and not feel like I've got imposter syndrome or whatever, or like think like, oh damn, like everyone is gonna be thinking like, and the chances are they're not, right? But you can't, it's that internal dialogue that, that women especially go through. Uh, you know, it's like, if, if there's something you could do to make that easier for someone, then why wouldn't you wanna do it? Unless you wanna be a gatekeeper. And if you wanna be a gatekeeper and you want to continue to, to, to put, skateboarding and skateboarders on a pedestal is like some exclusive boys club for example then again that says more about your ego than it does about a true love of like sharing that sport with someone and that or that that culture with someone so on that point how's the reaction been from what you might term the sort of classic skate community like it's been really mixed for the most part really supportive and like a lot of my like friends who i actively skate with are legends and couldn't have been more supportive um but i haven't necessarily felt like an overwhelming sense of support from everyone because it feels different feels new as in like <laughs> that's not how you do it kind of yeah. yeah and like or even just like it's not for me so i'm not gonna that's clearly not for me yeah right because it's targeting women and queer people anyone who's not a you know white cis man yeah essentially but you know mainly mainly trying to really push this forward and make skateboarding more inclusive for women creating space and opportunities for women and queer people that's yeah. what i want to do um and that's the point and so i think that yeah the core community um they get that i think a lot of uh, yeah i like really want to say <laughs> that but a lot of people have been really supportive and that's whilst that's been amazing and people at brands too like couldn't couldn't be more grateful for that love and support and it's really helped me drive this whole thing forward but then I have to ask myself why I'm getting so hung up on like little comments or people assuming that like I funneled x amount of like Facebook advertising into it because that's the only way that I could have had some success right it's like actually it was just <laughs> word of mouth yeah literally um, going up to people in the park <laughs> yeah but I learned to let that go really early on because you know I, I don't expect everyone to get it. I also don't expect everyone to get on board because it's not for them. Yeah. So whilst it's nice to have support and that goes such a long way, especially, you know, after everything that I've kind of experienced, like it, it just helped, you know, not begging for it, but it's like, it, it gives me that sense of like confidence to keep going. Um, 
I had to have a real word with myself like why do I like all of these women are being like yes I love this and like everyone's signing off it's growing and everyone's you know it's selling out it's amazing so why am I hung up on like a couple people who like have been a bit sheepish when it's come up and like especially like in the workplace you know that was a little difficult actually to be speaking up about like my past experiences and feel a little bit like awkward and I had to really I had to really have a word with myself to be like keep going don't stop don't get in your head about this you know what you're doing and trust and just to trust myself and like thank god I had a supportive crew community friends around me because that helped me like it helped me recognize that there was success there and that it was working in terms of like I was I was succeeding in my mission to get more women on boards and at the same time it, like I said at the start it was therapeutic to me because at the same time although the whole thing is centered around skateboarding I'm also promoting the idea of speaking up and standing up against male violence against women catcalling street harassment um, domestic violence and sexual harassment in the workplace and unfortunately I've experienced all of those throughout my career the other question I want to ask you about this as well is like it's growing you know <laughs> it's and and y you know you've you've started yeah. to take it to different cities now and clearly you've got a really supportive partner with vans who are like really helping you promote it and but you 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 seem to be you've kind of just touched upon it there which is why I asked the question but you, you seem to be being pretty careful about reconciling that with where it began for you because you've explained how it began for you really as almost like a coping mechanism in a lot of <laughs> ways was, yeah. you know like as like a, a therapeutic thing you know which you then evolved in the way that you've described um and I think you did a post around Christmas maybe on Instagram where you kind of said like you know I need to be mindful that it doesn't become a chore like I'm paraphrasing but that was essentially it seemed like so is that something that you think about, like how you reconcile these two things, like make sure it doesn't become a beast that kind I of... I think it, it happened to me when I was working in snowboarding, which was my first passion before skateboarding was snowboarding. Um, and I worked in the snowboard world and like, you know, that was tied into these like really bad experiences I had from a job with snowboarding. Um, however, it it wasn't something that was filling me with as much joy. In fact, it was like haunting me a little bit. With Neighbourhood, I didn't ever start it with the intention of it becoming like a full-time job. Um, I didn't, wasn't, you know, I had, a, I had a job, so I wasn't necessarily doing it to make money either. I was, was <laughs> I just wanted to put my energy into something that I was really passionate about. And um, so yeah, I think that I've been mindful of that as it's grown um, because amazing opportunities come up and I felt like well I don't want to turn it down but like oh, I'm really busy yeah so I stopped saying yes to everything and picked what felt really organic and true to the cause and started doing a bit more research as well about like you know who I wanted to partner with and why and how I could and what what my mission was because like my own original mission was was to get more women skating but like what what else do I want to do now that I've got like, you know, it's still small in the grand scheme of things, but the audience is super engaged and like it's growing every day. So like, you know, what, what, what should my next goal be kind of thing? And like, yeah. um, trying to just, trying to not put that pressure on myself. Like, you know, 
I've experienced felt feeling guilty if I've like gone a week without posting on social media yeah. and then thinking like, oh man, like the engagement and then being like, well, who cares about the engagement? You'll pick it back up. And like, it's not about that. If you reach one person through this post, then that's something. Yeah. And like taking it away. And what's been, I think what I've enjoyed so much about it, because you'll know with what we do for a living and like working and marketing and social media with big brands and like having to deliver back metrics etc so to work on something where like I didn't have to deliver back anything and it was just about what felt good at the time and what felt right that's been really refreshing as well and I've really enjoyed the opportunity to build something from the ground up without this like pressure to reach a certain amount of xyz so yeah it's like a reminder it's reminding myself I'm prioritizing me um, throughout it all too because um, it, it has to feel good I can only do this if I'm feeling good does that, does that come easy is that something you, you um, I think maybe around like October November I was doing a lot and it felt really it felt it, it was really weighing on me and it felt heavy um, and then I took some time off and like um, still kept up with the lessons and just did a little bit of it and got it back to like a manageable place and like I think that again like the more you have experiences like that which again bring you back to this place of like well what works best for you um, and there's a lot of people being like oh why don't you bring in more teachers so you can like grow it and why don't you do this and why don't you do that and like I appreciate all that advice and feedback I don't want to go that way with it I'm not interested in um I'm not interested in that. And so yeah, it's, I, I think it's like have, can maintaining that ownership despite this idea of like not wanting it to exclusively be my club. Yeah, I, I mean, I really recognize a lot of what you're talking about with the podcast, to be honest. Like I, that's exactly why I started doing this, you know, to have a separate little thing that I didn't have to uh, treat in the same way that I treated my day job. And also like a lot of the decisions that I've made over the years with this have been have been about that's been at the heart of it really you know to try and kind of keep that at the core of it but the reason I ask if it comes easy because you know I'm pretty good at that I'm pretty good at like <laughs> setting those boundaries for myself but I still find myself at various points like falling into the trap of like oh you know maybe it could be maybe I should be doing this and you know maybe it could be a bit bigger and like why you, you know like you just end up you know maybe I should just go all in and do youtube and videos and you know what i mean like you, you it's quite hard not to look around and of course and compare and sort of and i have to work quite hard at that really to sort of remind myself like I'm, I'm definitely like an ideas person i've got loads of like ideas jotted down and like different things i would love to do this year and like you know figuring out ways to make some of those come to life but like also just trying not to rush myself too and like now moving outside of london I'll still come back and I'm still feeling quite committed about like doing my lessons and my events in London sure less regularly than every other night of the week which is what it was last spring and summer yeah um but again like it it feels more manageable and I'm super excited to be able to think in London we're really lucky everything feels very London centric and all of these events that we see and opportunities like as Charlie pointed out like oh, I wish there was something like that in in Brighton um, you know, like, well, what if there was? What if neighborhood wasn't exclusive to just London? 
you know, it's the reason it's called neighborhood is because I wanted it to feel local to where I, I like I said, I was living and doing this in Victoria Park, yeah. living right on the edge of the park. So neighborhood was a play on like the fact that it was in my neighborhood, but also the sense of community. So I was like, oh, well, if I take neighborhood out of the neighborhood, then maybe it doesn't make sense. And I was like, again, it's like, who cares? Yeah. Just do it. Do, um, can be what you want it yeah, to be. Yeah. And I'm really in, like inspired by like all, like other collectives and communities and groups and individuals who are doing their thing like throughout the country. And like one thing I'm really keen to do to do is promote like collaboration in that sense, because I don't think that there needs to be like a level of like competition between like people who are on a similar path with shared missions like the whole idea of this is promoting the idea that there's enough room at the table for all of us yeah and that you know um a friend of mine marie um who runs a group called uh, skate gals and pals she said this to me at some point too it's like there is enough the table can be as big as we want and there's enough room for all of us so like partnering with other groups who are on a shared mission and like seeing what that collective power could bring and like, you know, just spreading that word and like trying to encourage more people to step outside their comfort zone and find something that they've always been intrigued by, you know, within reach. And um, if I can help like facilitate that by being like, well, let's break it down break this into three steps yeah <laughs> let's get you on the board and let's get you off the board and then let's go from there feels achievable um and then they're buzzing by that and then I'm buzzing by that and then it's this like chain reaction um that you know then spirals into social media because they're posting about it being like oh I did this and then I'm resharing that and then everyone more people are seeing that and like that's like the community side of this which has been really important and like where it's been overwhelming for me to have that sense of support um from the girls who have come along and they're so super invested in it because they um they in, had a nice experience <laughs> and um yeah I just like that like I've said a few times like that's what helps me like keeps me going and sometimes when I've been really tired and felt a little bit like oh man I can <laughs> see these lessons far enough tonight like yeah. I just want to chill out um and then I'm like well okay whatever it's an hour and then I go and I'll meet uh, the one experience I've <laughs> mentioned um just recently to a friend is like getting being surprised by by women being surprised by uh, you know what they can offer and they're surprised by themselves as well and like the amount of women that I've met now that w has helped me like professionally as well because you know when starting this up it was I was uh, dedicated to trying to partner with uh, female creatives photographers videographers so you know if I was going to do an event then I wanted to try and get someone to come along and create that content and capture that for me so yeah. I could share that with the girls because there's something good about when you didn't think you could you were you could skate and then you see a picture of yourself doing it you're like yes you know and then you you it's just a nice thing well, it's motivating as well exactly so wanting to do that for people and like also it helps market it right yeah something to post on your social yeah, media yeah, and yeah. help tell the story so 
working with female creatives along the way and female photographers is helping me now brand side and professionally in my job when we are looking at work for photographers I've got now got this whole pool of female creatives that I didn't have a year ago that I can now call on and so on the flip side of that again I'm feeling good because I'm like yes we can shift this internally too like we can show that there are you know women skate photographers out there who can do it there are lifestyle photographers out there like I worked with uh, a, a amazing woman called Jen who's you know done my photos and video event videos a couple of times now and like off the back of that she's now being approached by bigger brands to do other projects that were like dream clients of hers and like that's so that's such a, a yeah I mean that's amazing her her um you know ability is there and and you know that was always there but that intro and being involved in a project like neighborhood has allowed her now to book work well, and it? that's where I'm like yes that that's again like an added thing for me where I'm just so stoked about helping facilitate those opportunities to again promote the idea of like hire more women in our industry please yeah and do it now yeah and it's another <laughs> platform isn't it you know it's another yeah. route like you know like we were saying for me endless number of routes if I wanted them but like it's but it's not the same for everybody so if you can just through this if you can facilitate that and you can give people another platform in the way and then obviously that's that's amazing yeah yeah and um it's it's something that I think is important that behind the scenes in the skate industry people make more of a uh um an attempt to look outside the norm and and think like okay well yeah you know like what what if we we gave this person a chance or like well they don't have any experience of this or like they don't have the same experience but of course they're never going to get that experience if you don't take a chance and you don't push yourself to try and like be more inclusive and diverse beyond just having content to share on your social that makes it look like you're diversifying the game if you don't change what you're doing behind the scenes as well then long lasting change won't occur and people of different genders and identities won't always feel like they belong in that culture. Well, it'll only come from things like this, because <laughs> so. and again, well, that's well, that's that's also depressing in a way. Because look at what you've had to. There's been. A, I'm not going to use the word fight because I think that's that's probably not the the right you know analogy here. But you know you've you've really had to like work for it do you know what I mean like it's well I've experienced like really deep trauma to be able to now like channel that and flip it and be like okay like I'm gonna take this horrendous experience which like has plagued my mind for however many years (laughs) and um, I'm gonna try and do something that will prevent that happening to somebody else and if I can reach like one person who was potentially, you know, like tapping their female colleague on the ass maybe, or, you know, making remarks like have been made to me. If I can make them stop and think twice about doing that, whether they think it's a joke or not, if it will change that thought process in a little way, then like it's helping, it's helping women and it's helping us. And um, yeah, I can't emphasize that enough really because like the language that we use and the way that we treat people whether or not you like I, I I was laughing about things being said to me 
seven, eight years ago because I didn't know how else to deal with whatever vulgarity had just been thrown my way. And again, I was being told from the higher levels, you know, learn to take a joke, learn to, you know, or get a grip. Literally being told to man up, actually. (laughs) And, um... Sounds ridiculous now, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you're just like, well, who would say that? And it's like, well, the person who said that to me actually still works in this industry. So, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I can't tell you how scary it was for me to just say that out loud because I'm so, there is still that voice at the back of my head who's like terrified of being judged. Or like, when I, if you think like in my first couple of jobs in this industry, like I didn't want to speak up on that and then be at risk of like nobody wanting to work with me in the future because like, because I spoke up on something like no I was terrified man like, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna do that to myself and also like I said before like I didn't necessarily really know the extent of how wrong it was um so yeah I think like this idea of like promoting speaking up and standing up for yourself and for others and like if you you know um if you witness that or you see somebody like behaving in that way like you know as a as an ally to women like speak up say something have that person's back and um I didn't always have that whilst I've had great mentors along the way like not it's that that really hurt and um again like yeah just I think by talking about this more it helps denormalize this behavior that exists um and instead normalize like standing up for ourselves and being like hey actually well like you know just because like an intern said that that doesn't that that intern's still a person and so it doesn't matter what role people play um you know have respect be a good person don't um fuck with people's emotions in that way and like realizing like the lifelong trauma that certain things you do and say can have on people because you don't know what else they're experiencing. You don't know what else is going on behind closed doors. Um, and like for me personally, that um, that certain other experiences I'd gone through amplified all of this. And like, again, I'm drawing on all of those experiences to eventually feel in a place where I can be like, this is real. I'm not going to deny it. Yeah. And not just, you know, out loud to other people, but to myself, I'm not going to deny that this happened. And instead, I'm going to try and process it and do something um, that will hopefully help promote change. Well, thanks for. I mean, I'm just realizing you might be missing your try. Oh God! <laughs> no, you won't. But uh, <laughs> I can well, thank, get an Uber. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for sharing that. Thank you for giving me the space because um, I think that's just as important. And like, yeah, people listening is like it. It's scary knowing that people are listening. <laughs> I know, but even that's wrong because it's it, that's what you feeling comfortable to talk about your experiences in the way that you have is what should be normalized. That, Thank that, you, Matt. That, that, that rather than you feeling that in doing so you're doing something wrong, you know, or, or that you're, and I, and I understand why you feel like that, but that's just not right, is it? Yeah, and honestly, like I think, um, think I'm getting better at that and it's through people you know like yourselves and like yourself and and you know a supportive company a support supportive colleagues supportive friends supportive industry colleagues and like all of the people who have sent me little messages or even just like 
like to post where I've, you know, felt where it's obvious that like I'm sharing something quite personal, yeah. like all of that goes a long way. And like, whilst like nobody is owe you anything, I think like being active allies is really important. And it means a lot to the people on the other side of that who are trying to do the work to help change things. So there you go. That was me and Lindsay. And I hope you got as much out of our conversation as I did. I do honestly think that's probably one of the most important conversations I've ever had on the show. And just the simple fact that Lindsay was prepared to openly tell that story has a lot of power. That's a word I used a lot in the chat, but one that I do think is appropriate in this case, because it is about reclaiming that experience. I think the thing that I always find shameful and abhorrent really when I hear women relate these experiences how much as we discussed in the conversation the onus is on them to process it and society at large just basically ignores it I mean it is completely shameful really hearing about some of the predatory experiences that Lindsay related during our conversation and you know the sobering thing is that for women it's just a completely normal experience that most straight white men are totally unaware of the fact that these experiences are so commonplace is something that if you're a bloke in our game or if you're a bloke generally, you should really be thinking about and you should really be thinking about how your behaviour contributes to that, if you ask me. So thank you, Lindsay, for the honesty and bravery in sharing your experiences um, with me and the audience today and for turning it into, like I mentioned in the intro, something so positive and inspirational. So, housekeeping corner. Um, as I mentioned on one of my regular dog walk updates... On Instagram, I'm at We Look Sideways. Um, I'm off to natural selection, as I think most regular listeners might be aware of, but maybe not because it's something I do talk about on Instagram. Um, I've been privileged enough to be a tiny cog behind the scenes the last couple of years as part of natural selection as a member of the selection committee. Now, our job is to choose the riders that take part in the event, which is an incredible privilege and something I really don't take for granted. I'm on that committee with Travis Rice, Liam Griffin, who's the event organiser, Mary Walsh, who is um, lead commentator on the event and a very respected snowboard journalist and industry presence in the States, and Pat Bridges, who is, as anybody who's listened to his Bombhole episode will know, a cast iron US scene legend. Um, so I did it for the first year and we've done it again this year. We've just announced the whole lineup, which you can find at Natural Selection on Instagram. And I think you'll agree, the lineup is looking pretty stacked. I'm very proud that we've managed to get so many Europeans in this year. Um, something that obviously I did stake a bit of a flag in the ground. There's That's one for podcast bingo. I use that a lot, don't I? And I'm really excited to see how it goes down, really. Um, and then another exciting and slightly terrifying, if I'm honest, natural selection news. They've asked me to go and be a member of the commentary team for the event. Um, at the time of speaking, I'm flying out in two days. I'm going to go to Jackson Hole and I'm going to be one of the commentators on natural selection. As a friend of mine said, if you'd have told 14-year-old Matt Barr in Manchester that this turn of events would transpire, I think um, you would have got laughed out of the precinct car park, to be honest. Um, I've never done it before. I've never done any live broadcasting. Um, I've obviously done a lot of live things over the years. Um, I'm pretty out of my comfort zone. But that, for me, was obviously one reason to do it. You know, the people involved in natural selection, notably Travis and Liam, have trusted me with this gig. Um, so I'm just going to work hard and do my best, 
really. I'm going to be heading over with Owen Tozer. We've got the band back together. We've dusted it off. We're going to go over and we're going to do a load of work. We're going to do a natural selection slash Jackson Holt omnibus, um, which we're both very excited about. So, um, yeah, that's going to happen. And um, if you tune in, you're probably going to hear me at some point. So say hello. Give me the feedback. Um, all Chris Martin gags are welcome. And I will look forward to hearing from you. And, you know, because I'm going to Jackson Hole, I've been jumping through the COVID hoops yet again. And it's made me think about the old COVID situation, actually. Um, and I I dip into the COVID conversation on on social media a little bit. Like, I'm not on Facebook, as I've said many times, because it just depresses me. Um, oh, there's the reminder of the apparently the 32 things I need to do today on my to-do list. Christ. Um, yeah, I'm not on Facebook because I, it just depresses me seeing everybody sound off. But I do look into Twitter every now and again. And, you know, obviously Instagram has a little bit of it. And, you know, you listen to the radio or the news and you just can't help but hear people's opinion on COVID. And the thought struck me, really, that it's really worth remembering. And I did talk about this on the Dog Walk update as well. But I'm going to say it here as well. No single person can possibly understand something as complicated as a global pandemic. I mean, it's quite an obvious thing to say, but it, it is true, I think. At the, you know, at this point, everybody's views on COVID are basically an extension of their own personal brand, really. You know, or as Bruce Chatwin put it, Chatwin even put it rather more elegantly, every theory is the autobiography of the theorist. I do think it's really worth remembering when you hear people talk about it. You know, I think it's why most people are just doing their best not to be an absolute bellend about it. Wearing masks, having the vaccines, trying to be considerate to other people, try to take part in the social contract, really, that exists. And obviously, there are issues. We've got absolute fuckwits in charge who are not exactly inspiring confidence. But I do truly believe that most people are, are, are motivated by something as old-fashioned as you know the responsibility you've got as a as a citizen in a society really um, obviously then you've got other people who believe that that responsibility is why they should talk about their own personal views um, and it's why the friends you've got who were susceptible to conspiracy theories back in the day have gone full tinfoil hat it's why the selfish are using the situation to justify their selfishness it's why the grifters of every stripe are using it to take in the credulous and so on, really. Like I say, I just think it's probably worth remembering the next time you, you get on Facebook and you see somebody's hot take or you listen to one, including this one. You know, whether it's Djokovic, travel restrictions, masks, vaccines, passport, downing street parties, whatever. No one's got a fucking clue. Everyone's just trying to do the best and get through life without being as much as a, of a dickhead, really. And that goes for me. And obviously, I am trying to get to America. I have had all three vaccines. Um, I will be wearing a mask when I travel. Um, I don't have a problem with any of those things. I equally don't have a problem if you don't want to get a vaccine, but just don't fucking go on about it the whole time. Um, so if I get in, you know, if I test, I've got to have a fit-to-fly test tomorrow morning. Um so by the time this comes out, this might be out of debt. I might not be able to go because I might have COVID. Who knows? If that happens, I'll be very disappointed, obviously, but that's just the world we're living in right now. 
So uh, that is my thought about that. I mean, that's what Housekeeping Corner is for, really. If you are still here, I salute you. If you heard me say that on Instagram and, you, and you're like, wow, I said that already on there, I'll let you into a little bit of a secret. I do occasionally road test things I'm going to talk about in Housekeeping Corner on Instagram. Um, if you think I'm bad at doing that, have a look at fucking Gary V. Jesus. On which bombshell, I'm going to go. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, I probably won't be back next week because I'm going to be pretty busy, to be honest. Um, if you do want to hear more from me, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which will be going out regularly. Um, that You can find that on my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. You can also buy my book, which is a good way of supporting the show. You can check out the merch. Yada, yada, yada. All right. Nice one. 